Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, how do we believe? Not with our heads. How do we believe with our lives? What does faith look like? What does it look like to actually begin to strengthen? How many people understand that faith is like a muscle? Right? You use it, you, you use it, it gets stronger. Right? Faith is one of those things that you practice. Faith is an action. It's not a stagnant belief is an idea. Faith is an action. Right? You practice it. You put it in, into action. And so Jesus, is, when he's with, Jesus, when he's with his disciples, uh, what he does in his ministry is absolutely amazing because what he does is he creates space for his disciples to learn faith. It's fantastic. I mean, and, and, and it's fun, too. You know, like, you know, when Jesus is, they've already had this big, long ministry, and then he goes, he tries to get away from the crowd, but the crowd comes anyway, you remember? And, the, and then there's, like, you know, there's all these people, and they're getting hungry, and the disciples see this, like, need coming up, and they start getting proactive. And they go to Jesus, and they're like, we really should send these people away soon, because, like, 7-Eleven's even closing. And, like, we don't have the capacity, you know, we're, we're, we don't have any food. And Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. Now, one of the Gospels I love because it says in brackets, he did this to test them, <laughs> which kind of relieves the tension. You know, when you're reading it, you're like, oh, thank God, it's a test. You know, like it's, cause, but the other Gospels don't. It's just like, you feed them. And the disciples are like, ah, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly. So one of the disciples says, like, even if we were to, like, take all our life savings out of our bank account right now, it would not be enough to feed this whole crowd. And Jesus is like, oh, for Pete's sake. (laughs) That's not in the text, but, you know, we all know it's there. He's just like, oh, you know, you're not getting it. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to live out what you believe. This is your opportunity to step out on faith. To say, like, we can't, like we heard this morning, we can't, but we're with someone who can. So Jesus says this to the disciples, and this is like the thing, over and over and over again. He says this, what do you have? What do you have? Now, you remember, because you heard this in Sunday school your whole entire life, some of you on a felt board. (laughs) What do you have? The disciples do a quick, <laughs> a quick survey of the resources and says, oh, we've got these fish. We've got these bread. Jesus says, yeah, bring them to me. I got, you know, bring them to me. Let's start with what you have. Now, this isn't new. The oldest story in the world, the Exodus story, the big epic story of God's people being liberated from oppression and from fear and from themselves and from a dominant culture, from a whole, but like everything. It's like the dominant story. You remember when it all began and Jesus shows up at, at the, the burning bush with Moses and he says, you know, I'm calling you to set people free. And Moses is just like, ah, I've got the wrong guy, like most guys do. And then, you know, the back and forth, back and forth, until finally Moses is like, okay, fine, I'm the guy. But like, how? How? <laughs> and God says, well, I'll be with you. That's how. Christ in you. That's how. And Moses is like, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, you'll be with me. But like, how? (laughs) 
But like how, with you and me, with you with me, like how will it work? And then this is what God says, it's unbelievable. It mirrors exactly later, Jesus, I'm pretty sure he just took it out of, you know, this is, a, this is an old trick of the Trinity. <laughs> he says to Moses, well, what do you got? What's in your hand? That's literally what he says, what's in your hand? Moses says, oh, I got a stick. <laughs> All the shepherds have one. <laughs> I got my little initials on the bottom. This is when I met my wife. You know, this is this little stain from the sheep that just would not listen. And, you know, I, all the shepherds have one of these. <laughs> and God says, perfect. Perfect. I'm going to overthrow the greatest, most powerful superpower <laughs> in the known world. <laughs> with a stick, <laughs> just for fun. So I, I'm in Australia, I, I told you about us trying to figure out what to do, you know, Australia's legalized prostitution, so they have, you know, friendly neighborhood brothels happening, 7-Eleven brothel, dry cleaning garage, you know, it's just all over the place in, in an effort to empower women. And uh, we understand that's not empowerment, that's oppression. Prostitution is not the world's oldest profession, it's the world's oldest oppression. That's important to know. That's important to know. And so we're praying for a, a way to help figure this out. How are we gonna dismantle something that's been bought wholesale? You know, like what are we gonna do? And I got this call from this 68-year-old uh, uh, retired Baptist lady. She called me up, she's a mother of a friend of mine, her name was Jan. She said, Danielle, I really need to talk to you, can we grab a coffee? I said, sure. Now, I was working at the Salvation Army headquarters in Melbourne, Australia, in this beautiful little suburb, and her house was a couple blocks away from there. So we met up for a coffee and she told me the story. She said, you know, my phone number is only two digits different from the local brothel's phone number. So she said, I keep getting these calls. And they're pretty bothersome to me. You know, they're really uncomfortable. <laughs> and they were bugging me. So she said, I decided to change my number. And I was uh, reading my Bible, doing my devotions in the morning, and the Holy Spirit interrupted me. I said, how rude. <laughs> During your Bible reading, unbelievable. And, uh, <laughs> well, she's a Baptist, you know, so... <laughs> and she said, you know, I felt, I, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why are you changing your number, Jan? And Jan said, well, I keep getting those calls. He says, yeah, but maybe instead of avoiding those calls, you could do something about it. So we're sitting in this cafe, and she says, you know, what should I do? Now, on the outside, I did what all really good, effective Christian leaders do, right? I just yoded it. Mmm, interesting problem you have, Jan. <laughs> but on the inside, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, crazy Australian people? Like, why did you legalize prostitution? Like, what, what am I going to do with a 68-year-old retired Baptist lady in a brothel invasion? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have a map. Like, what? I don't know what to do. So then we just sort of had this brainstorm. I said, okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. What do you normally do? What do you normally do when, like, she's a lovely, missional, beautiful lady uh, that knows Jesus. I said, what do you normally do if your neighbor's sick or someone new moves into your street? Like, what's your normal, what's in your hand, Jan? What's in your hand? 
And she looked at me, she goes, oh, that's easy. She said, like, I bake cupcakes, I go over, I introduce myself, I, I give them some cupcakes. I said, that's perfect. Let's do it Tuesday. She said, do what? I said, well, you're gonna have to bake the cupcakes, honey. I can't cook. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we'll go introduce ourselves on Tuesday, like, like you do to your neighbors. She said, that's the official strategy? <laughs> I said, yeah. <clears throat> do or do not do, there is no try. <laughs> My young Padawan. So then, uh, we meet on Tuesday. She's, her, her daughter told me she baked like a thousand batches of cupcakes to make sure they're perfect, because they're the point, you know. It's obviously the cupcakes that are going to usher in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Can't be us. <laughs> Must be the cupcakes. So anyway, we meet on Tuesday morning at headquarters, because that sounds cool. I'm wearing my super suit, because that's, yeah, that's what it's made for right there. And uh, if only it had more lycra, but anyway, it's another story. They, uh, we meet, we meet for prayer. She said, I've been praying all, after, you know, all weekend. I've been baking these cupcakes. I've been praying. And I felt like the Lord told me I should do this alone. I said, geez, the Holy Spirit's talking a lot to you, Jan. <laughs> she said, yeah, I really felt like I'm supposed to do it alone. I said, but Jan, like, I'm the professional. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, yeah, but I'm the neighbor. So I said, okay, look, you can do the knocking by yourself, but I'm totally like, I'm coming to prayer coverage you. You know, like, call me your air support. So we like walk down the street together and she walks up to this Asian um, brothel, you know, like <laughs> this grandma with cupcakes, you know, like shaking, you know, just like average day, Tuesday afternoon. And she just like walks up to this brothel and I'm literally just like, God, please don't let Jan die. You know, just like, <laughs> Filled with faith, you know, as you do. I'm just like, God, you know, and then I'm just like, I'm just like bombing. I'm like got her air coverage. I'm just like bombing. I'm just like, God, favor, boom. You know, I'm like, go now, Jan, go now. You know, just, and she's like, ah. So she's like walking up the steps of this brothel, knocks on the door, manager comes, not the normal clientele. So he comes, he's like, can I help you? And she's so nervous. I mean, never done this before. She just says, I brought cupcakes. <laughs> And literally in my mind, I can still see it to this day. I can see this demonic, cosmic power of sexual exploitation over the nation of Australia going, no, not the cupcake. <laughs> because the manager just was like, oh, cupcakes, come on in. Just... So they have tea in the back room and she gives out the cupcakes and she says, I'm your neighbor. And you know, I kept getting these calls and I realized I don't even know you. I've never even come. And I wanted to say, I see you, I know you. I, I actually really wanna be in relationship with you. Please have some cupcakes, I'll be back next Tuesday. They said, thanks. She walked out of that brothel, literally like levitating, you know, <laughs> like for a Baptist. <laughs> levitate, just like floating on air. And I was like, how'd it go? She's just like, I got in, you know, just, it was just, it was amazing. They're amazing. I love them. I met Natalia and I met Jan and I met, just named them all, got their birthdays, you know, just like, I just, uh, like, <clears throat> what's in your hand? 
How do you live this thing? Christ in you, the hope of glory, the gusher of the kingdom of God. How does this thing come out? (laughs) By faith, but how do you walk by faith? You do it. You do it. You get to it. You actually, you use what you have as a full offering of how God can extend that, like Christ in you. It's not about the cupcakes. It's not about the cupcakes, but it is also about the cupcakes because you gotta start with what you have. What do you have? And what we do oftentimes in ministry is we talk about all the things we don't have. When really what all God wants to use, I mean, you you pick it. Stick, cupcake, fish. You getting the hang of this? What do you have? Now, you know, this is one of my favorite stories of Jesus teaching the disciples this is in John chapter six. It starts at verse 16. It says, that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. They're, they're supposed to go to the other side of the lake because they're always going to the other, just for the record in scripture. It's a good thing to keep in mind. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him so they could cross the lake, but as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, Don't you hate it when that happens? Like, we just had him here a second ago. (laughs) I kid you not, we're with Jesus. He's here. He's like, he's literally right here. (laughs) But you can't find him. Now, we know he's with us all the time. He's with us. But the disciples are figuring this out. Jesus hasn't come back. What are we going to do? And they're stuck stuck there. Like, they're just stuck. And and night's falling, and they have to cross the, because Jesus said, you know, we're going to the other side, but he's not here. Where is Jesus? And so what do we do? And you can, I can feel like there's probably this like discussion that happens on the shore. And half the disciples are like, we should get in the boat and cross the other side because that's what Jesus told us to do. And the other half of the boat are saying, we should stay here and wait for Jesus to come back because like, we wouldn't want to take a, a misstep. You know, there's a struggle, isn't there? Because we don't know what to do when we're not like right in the, like we're not like having instructions from Jesus, you know? Here's a little rule of thumb. If you're not sure what to do next, do the last thing you know Jesus told you to do. It's not a bad place to begin. You're not sure what to do next. Do the last thing you know he told you to do. Do what he told you to do. Do what he told you to do. Because I'll tell you this, obedience and faith, they go together. That's how you practice your faith, obedience and faith. Now, when, before I moved to Australia, I liked to visit there. And I, I went on a, a conference and I had a day off and my friend lives just near Bondi Beach, which is a famous surfing beach. And so uh, we had a day off. She said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go, I want to surf. And by the enthusiastic response in my email, she thought that meant I knew how to surf. (laughs) (laughs) So we get to the beach and um, I go to rent a surfboard, you know, so I walk into the surf shop and I'm like, I'd like to, I'd like a surfboard, please. And they're like, you know, do you know how to surf? And I said, well, I've seen Point Break. I'm practically a soul surfer in my heart. You know, I'm like, how hard can it be? You know, kind of thing. And they're like, well, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Canada. <laughs> so this shop, they hold, they sent, they give me a boogie board, you know, like one of those little kid, they give me the boogie board and they say, stay between the flags, you know. And I'm so insulted. Like I'm literally, I'm just like, these guys have no idea. I have an inner surfer inside of me. 
Like I was destined to surf. Like I just, like I feel like, you know, I was meant for this. This, this is not hard. I've seen all the movies. Like I even know the lingo. So I'm like walking on the beach and I'm ticked off because I have this little boogie board. I'm walking past all these little kids on surfboards, you know, and I'm just like, this is wrong. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go and I'm going to show them I'm a natural. Like I'm obviously gifted at this, you know, so, and then I'll trade my boogie board in for a surfboard. So I go and I like dive in this thing. I'm just like, I'm going to attack it. And uh, literally the first wave, it comes and it takes me and it holds me under like God is teasing me or something, you know. I mean, I have sand in places there should not be sand, you know. I just, I have water coming out my earlobe, you know, just like stuff's not right, you know, and I, I think I'm gonna die and then just then I get out and I'm just like, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, you know, first wave, it was probably like, a, you know, just a bad one, it can't be me, you know. And then I just keep doing, I just all afternoon, I'm getting killed by the ocean. I literally, I used to like it. And now I hate it. I'm like, the ocean's my enemy. I'm going to conquer, you know, this thing. It's just holding me under, holding me under. Holding. So finally I get out a couple hours later. I'm exhausted. I'm just like, and humiliated. And I sit and drench, this like drenched, drowned little rat. And I just sit down on the beach next to the surfer guy. And he looks at me and goes, dude. I said, right? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's harder than it looks. I said, right? He said, yeah, most people don't realize. He said, 90% of surfing is working and waiting. Literally, Holy Spirit, boom. 90% of surfing is working waiting. Have you ever watched them? I mean, they literally swim against <laughs> the current. I mean, just to get past the break, it's just exhausting. And then they sit around on their boards. You ever, you ever watch them? I'm always like, I wonder you guys are getting eaten by sharks all the time. <laughs> You're just sitting around paddling like a seal. I'm like, get off the board. You know, it's just like, ah. Have you ever tried to raise people from the dead? It's really hard, because they're dead. <clears throat> so our, our first uh, appointment in Salvation Army, this church, we had this group of guys that watched this video series, I didn't even know existed, but they watched a video series on how to raise dead people. So they came to my husband and I, and they said, we know why we don't raise dead people. And I said, well, do tell. They said, well, we never see dead people. I said, tell me more. They said, well, we never see dead people. In our culture, we never hang around with dead people. Like, you know, people die, and then they're, like, taken away, and then we see them at the funeral. Maybe, most times not. So we just don't even engage. In when will we ever have a chance? You know, we don't have a chance. So this guy that's part of the group, he says, I've got some good news. I said, what is it? He said, I'm dying. I said, that's amazing. <laughs> and actually, truth be known, he was the, the, the guy that, when we installed a new sound system in the church, he came with noise-reducing headphones on. He was that kind of guy. <laughs> so it actually wasn't terrible news. But I, you know, he said, don't judge me. He said, jeez, you guys were loose. Anyway, <laughs> I command every religious spirit to leave the room. I know there's people you don't like, too. Okay, okay. He said, no, look, I'm gonna, he said, I have this degenerate lung disease and probably within two years I'm gonna die. And he said, what I've done is I've willed my body to the church. 
so that you guys can raise me from the dead. I said, awesome. But inside I said, what the heck is happening? This is weird. People don't do this, you know? So sure enough, we, we didn't have faith to heal him, but <clears throat> anyway, he does. Now, I told you a little bit about my husband, right? He's like, he's all in, that guy. He's all in. And so he's like, I mean, literally, as soon as he hears this plan, you know, this guy's gonna will his body to our church and we're gonna raise him from the dead. And then he's the one that's gonna be the secret to winning this whole town for Jesus. Like, it's gonna be a Lazarus moment. So he's just like, we're raising the dead. So he's like, he sends an email out. He comes back, he's like, I'm so excited about this. We're fasting and praying for 40 days. You know, we're doing all this stuff. We even have him on to preach at his own funeral. We're like ready on all the printed, <laughs> we're like ready. We like engage the prayer warriors. We make an announcement in the city. You know, Steve comes home. He says, I've emailed everybody in our contact list to ask them to pray and fast with us that we could raise this guy from the dead. I said, you emailed everyone in our contact list that we're gonna raise the dead? He said, yeah, isn't it awesome? I'm like, no. Like by everyone, you mean my mother? Now my mother, you know, they're Salvation Army officers. They're like just a couple of weeks before this event, she had been, you know, told by one of her contemporary people, she said, yeah, I hear your kids are getting a little charismatic, <laughs> which is an insult. Not to you, but to her, you know. And she said, uh, well, they sure love Jesus, but they don't speak in tongues or anything. <laughs> and honestly, I just didn't have the heart to tell her. <laughs> I just said, Shundai, mom. Shundai. <laughs> so sure enough, she calls me. She said, oh, hey, I got Stephen's email. I said, great. <laughs> and of course, she knew this guy really well, this guy that had died. She said, you know, I've really been thinking about it. I said, uh-huh. She said, are you sure you want to raise him back from the dead? <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, he's the only dead guy we've got. <laughs> I mean, literally, like we're, like we, we, so we announced it to all the churches of the town and everyone's coming together. I mean, everyone with a flag and a shofar showed up. I mean, I never even knew there were so many ram's horns in the world, you know, <laughs> let alone in my own town. You know, I was just like, where did all these rams come from, you know? Anyway, all these shafars come and all these flags come out. I mean, we're reading all the stories in the Bible of dead raising. You know, we're doing, we're fasting and we're praying. We have everybody, you know, we're dying to ourselves and our reputation. That's for sure. And, you know, even my own mother thinks we've lost our mind again. And, you know, and this is all happening. We had one guy show up with a bag of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I said, uh, what's with the, you know, you need a snack? He said, don't you read your Bible? I said, what? He said, don't you read? Every time Jesus brings somebody back from the dead, he says, get them something to eat. <laughs> he says, I've come prepared. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was awesome. So we blew the horns and we flagged the flags and we like marched around the morgue seven times hoping it might collapse. I don't know what we're, we read all the scriptures. I mean, literally, I mean, it was just, and you know, he's, he's more dead. He's more dead than he's ever been before. 
I love telling this part of the story. Because <laughs> everyone keeps waiting for like the next part and there's no next part, he died. That's it. <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> you still want more? <laughs> it's so awesome. This is my favorite part right here. Oh, he really is. He's really dead. Not just mostly. So uh, in Canada, most recently, we started a massage parlor visitation program because of my 72-year-old Australian crazy warrior Baptist friend. Literally, once she was successful in that brothel visitation, I ran back to the Salvation Army headquarters and I phoned 10 of my most crazy Salvation Army friends and I said, quick, we gotta get mobilized. We gotta get to the brothels or the Baptists will beat us. And do you know, they all went for it. There's now, they visit 68 brothels every single week in seven different languages. They're the liaison for the Australian Federal Police. It's like, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. They're, they are dismantling human trafficking within the brothel system in Australia. <laughs> because a 72-year-old woman who is now, what is she, 76, two hip replacements later, she just sent me an email of her latest visit to the brothel, has not stopped going, loves those women with Christ in her, the hope of glory. What's in your hand? what's in front of you to do. Much of these opportunities is about learning how to surf. It's about learning how to swim. Now here's what I'm gonna tell you, a confession as a preacher, I'm in love with the wave. I'm like a spiritual surfer. I'm absolutely in love with the wave. So here's the temptation for us. I'm only gonna tell you about the times when I caught the wave. And the Lord really convicted me about this because he said, you're going to have to, if you want to actually just create really good spectators, keep talking like that. But if you want to create surfers, you're going to have to tell them the truth. You're going to have to tell them the truth that practicing faith, Christ in you expressed in faith, is actually action. It's getting in the water. It's learning how to swim across against the current. It's getting spit out by a wave on the shore. It's swallowing your pride. It's starting at the beginning. It's getting back in the water again. And every single time you're learning how to swim against dominant culture, against what people think, against what you think about yourself, you're building your faith. You're building your muscle. You're learning how to use what you have for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. That's what it feels like. And then even once you build your muscles and you swim against that current, you hang out because you know the wave's coming. You ever listen to surfers talk? They spend all day, all morning in the water and they come out and they're like, did you see it? I'll say to them, did I see what? They're like, did you see it? Did you see it? I caught, did you see that? I caught that wave, did you see it? I'm like, yeah, the 10 seconds out of the four hours, I saw it, but you know what else I saw? I saw you working hard, man. I saw you swimming against the current. I saw you waiting for the right wave. I saw your posture in your life. You know who never catches a wave? 
People who don't get in the water. People who don't get in the water. Faith is expressed by action. That's how you please God. You get in the water, you learn how, and you learn how to figure this out. So we were doing this brothel visitation program in Canada, visiting these massage parlors, which is just a brothel, but in Canada we're nice, so we don't call it that. And so I had this student from England that heard about this thing, and she, came, she said, can I come over for three months and learn how to do it so I can go do it in my thing? I said, sure, come on over. So she's with me. We're, doing, we're starting a new brothel visitation. I knock on the door. I say, hey, we're from the Salvation Army. Here's some <laughs> cupcakes. I brought cupcakes. And, um, and I said, you know, we visit massage parlors in the neighborhood, and you're on our list, so we're stopping by to say hi. The manager opens the door. She hears the spiel. She says, no, thanks. Boom, slams the door in our face. Uh, and I say, okay, see you next week, I call out. <laughs> And we get in the van, we drive off. And uh, the, the girl says to me, oh, that's weird. I said, no, that's, that's normal. My little Padawan. <laughs> so we go the next week, we knock on the door. I say, hey, hey remember us? <laughs> uh, we brought you some cupcakes. You know, this week, uh, she says, look, no thanks. Shuts the door. Student looks at me, that's weird. I said, no, my little Padawan. That's normal. Next week, we come, we knock on the door. I said, Salvation Army here, remember us? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I remember you. What part of no don't you understand? I said, it's the no part. <laughs> In almost every area of my life, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her and I said, I, but we brought cupcakes. She grabs the cupcake, slams the door. Next week, we walk. The student says to me, when do you call it? She said, like, this is a really effective ministry you got going on here. I said, thanks. <laughs> My little Padawan. We're learning how to swim. What you're doing right now is learning how to swim. What you're doing right now is learning what faith feels like. What faith feels like. What it feels like to go against the dominant culture. What it feels like to actually embrace rejection. You want to see what faith looks like? It looks like the cross. It looks like Jesus believing God with his whole life spilled out in seeming defeat and utter agony, not as a tragedy, as a strategy. As a strategy. What does faith look like? What do you got? Let's start there. So we knock on the door again, we knock on the door again, we knock on the door again, same thing, same thing. The student's just like, thank God I came all the way from England. I've learned so much. I said, wait for it. My little Padawan. Anyway, thankfully, she was with me for three months, probably about just like the last week, we knock on the door. Literally, before we're finished knocking, the manager, same manager, same people, different cupcakes, because that would be weird. <laughs> Opens the door before we're done knocking. She said, thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. We're both looking at each other like, are we at the right spot? She says, you gotta come with me. So we follow her all the way through this brothel. We get to the back and there's this girl crying in the back room. The girl crying in the back room, she's just like sobbing uncontrollably. And the manager says, you gotta tell them what you just told me. She goes, I don't know how to do it. She said, just tell them exactly how you told me. And this girl looks at us, she's like sobbing. She said, I need forgiveness, I need healing, I need hope, like I need freedom. <laughs> we said, but there's only one guy we know that has all of those things. He's in us. He's in us. We came with more than cupcakes. We came with Jesus, right? He's in us, the hope of glory, Christ for the world. We said, we only, I only know this guy, Jesus, and he can heal your diseases, and he can forgive your sins, and he can set you free. He's the guy. He's the one. She said, how do I get this Jesus? 
And I said, because I'm a Christian and we say weird stuff. I don't know if you ever pay attention to what we say, but we say weird stuff. I said, you just cry out to him. Jesus, you can have my life. Jesus, take my life. Heal me, forgive me, set me free. You just cry out to him. You know, I didn't really mean cry out. I just said it because I'm a Christian, but she's just like, Jesus! In the back of this brothel. I mean, revelation comes in mysterious ways. (laughs) Jesus, heal me. Jesus, forgive me. She's crying out. Everybody's bawling. The manager's bawling. She's bawling. The student's bawling. I'm taking notes so I can tell you about it. (laughs) Okay, now that's the story I want to tell you because that's the wave. Do you understand? Now, in that scriptures, there's two words for time. One is kairos, one is chronos. And here's, here's what we do. We say, God, we want to suddenly. Here's what happens in the story. The, the disciples get in the boat. This is a good idea. What do you have? Start with where you are. Start with what you have. Get in the boat. Use the stick. Bring the cupcakes. Visit the brothel. Like, just use what you have. Learn how to swim. Get in the water. Stop spectating. And start participating. Because without faith, it's impossible to believe God. It's impossible to please him. And belief is not something here. It's something here. It's something with your life. How will Christ get to the world if you don't bring him, Paul says? How will they hear if you don't tell them? How will they know if you don't go? And so this day, so they get in the boat and they start rowing. And then instantly, as soon as they start rowing, the storm comes against them. And you know, that's where we get into theological conundrums. Because we're like, if God was with us, then why is there a storm? This is feeling harder. It didn't work. It didn't work. Back up. Beep, 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 beep. This whole thing's a sham. This can't be it. This should be easy. Who said it was going to be easy? Whoever told us that? Whoever told us that? It's not going to be easy. God's building their faith. You understand? He's building their faith. So this thing isn't theorized and it's not super spiritual. It's real life. It's happening in real life. And there, I literally, I bet you, with all my money, that in that boat, there's someone who's like, I told you we shouldn't have gotten a boat. <laughs> right? It's just like needed, somebody needed some muscular salvation in the name of Jesus. Just like, shut up and row. Just row. You know, and they're trying, they're trying. Then there's this beautiful moment, beautiful moment, where they see Jesus walking towards them in the boat. And Jesus gets in the boat, and this is what the scripture says, this is what the scripture says, immediately, immediately, the boat's where it was going. It's a Kairos moment. It's what I live for. I'm living for the Kairos moment. I mean, it's it's what I'm preaching about. Jesus, in the back of a brothel, right? I get done, and I say, did you see that? And we got in the car, the student looks at me and she goes, that would make an amazing preaching illustration. (laughs) I said to her, which part? Which part? Are you ready for this? Are you mature enough for this? This is not a denial of the Kairos, guys. This is a living for the Kairos. This is not a denial of God's spirit in me doing what I can't do for myself. This is not a denial. This is an actual participation in it. Because the only way you get to the Kairos is to actually live in the Kronos. 
It happens in real life. It happens in real time. Those moments of suddenly happen in the, in the quantity of time, in the passing of real minutes, in the here, in the now. That's why Jesus was incarnated, because if it was something just spiritual, he could have done it from heaven. But he incarnates in the flesh because this is what faith looks like. This is how you please God. You live it out in real life, do you understand? It's real life, it's not super spiritual, it's door knocking, it's cupcakes in your hand, it's fish, it's bread, it's a stick, it doesn't matter what it is, just start using it. Start exercising your faith. Start using your muscle. Start building the capacity to try and to fail, and then to try and then to fail, and then to try and then to fail, and then to try, and then it works. And you're like, did you see that? Did you see me? Were you there when that happened? And this is what I promised God this last couple of years. I said, I'm not just, when I'm speaking to you guys, when I'm speaking to people who are supposed to be doing this stuff, I'm not just gonna tell you about the Kairos, I'm gonna tell you about the Kronos. Because they go together. Christ is in all of it. He's in all of it. And that's how we know that we're doing this beautiful thing. So anyway, about three years ago, I was at a conference in Canada, in Winnipeg, which doesn't matter if you know where it is because it's nowhere. <laughs> and it's the last session of the conference. I'm at the back talking with a, a friend. Uh, she's a friend's husband. She's speaking. We're talking. <laughs> Having a coffee, grabbing a donut. You know, we're like, we're going to fly out of town in a couple hours. We're just like at the very back. And, and this intercessor comes to the back of the thing. She says, um, you guys, you have to come with me. So we're like, okay, so we start following her, and she leads us into the woman's bathroom, which is really weird. I say, what, we're gonna go into, like, intercessors are so weird. It's like, <laughs> and so I love them so much. <laughs> and so we get into, and it's a big bathroom, there's this like big kind of sitting area before you get into the stalls, and my friend Robert, he's just like, this is getting weird. I'm like, you know, God works in mysterious ways. So. We get into this place, and, and she explained on the way, she said a woman's died in the bathroom. And uh, she's been dead for, she's totally blue, she's already bodily fluids everywhere, there's no heartbeat, we've called the emergency, but I just felt like the Spirit told me to come get you guys to pray. And you know what I think? I, I've done this before. My faith level is at about, mm, I don't know, at a 10, minus two. I said to her, you know, um, I forgot my shofar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a flag in sight. I haven't fasted probably for about a year. <laughs> I mean, this ain't gonna work. I have no Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I got nothing. But I'm like embarrassed because I'm like, like, you know, I'm a Christian leader. So I'm just like, okay, fine. So we sit down and we're praying over this dead body while we're waiting for the ambulance to come. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God in me says, I command breath to this body. Which is weird because it wasn't anywhere in the video series. <laughs> and this, this woman, this dead woman, sits up and goes, <clears throat> Three times, literally, Robert and I are both hanging onto our clothes, you know. <laughs> and this is, let me be super honest with you, just in case we get really religious. Um, listen, I literally was like, maybe I should have brought a steak. I might have accidentally started the zombie apocalypse, you know. 
Three times, totally alive, completely alive, raised from the dead. Listen. Okay, yeah, praise the Lord. Now, let me ask you just really quickly, what, what was the difference? Nothing. I was in the water. Right time, right place. Right posture. Didn't stop getting in the water. Didn't stop praying and waiting. Didn't stop pressing in. Didn't stop doing it. Didn't, didn't stop trying. Didn't stop exercising faith. Didn't stop. You know who catches the wave? The people in the water. The people in the water catch the wave. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even those of you who have been spit out a thousand times and you just literally, your mother's just like, I told you, you weren't good at ministry. Even you, get back in the water. You learn to walk by faith. You learn it by doing it. You exercise a faith muscle. You're not stirring it up yourself. You're being available for God to work in you. You're doing the chronos time. You're getting in the boat because you know the last thing Jesus told you was to go to the other side. So you're on your way in obedience to God, Christ in you, the hope of glory to bring salvation to the earth. You get in the boat. And even when it gets hard and even when it gets difficult and you've been rowing for a long time and you're starting to think of yourself like, what am I doing? I'm a fool. Jesus, the great surfer, is going to sit beside you and say, dude, <laughs> dude. 90% of this ministry, 90% of naturally supernatural <laughs> is working and waiting. Now, you don't control the wave. Surfers don't control the wave. They ride the wave. They just posture their lives in such a place that when the wave comes, guess who gets to ride it? You know what I love most in ministry is when people on the shore tell you how you could do it better. It's so awesome, isn't it? Okay, let's ride a couple waves. We hope you enjoyed today's message segment from Danielle Strickland at our 2017 More Love, More Power Conference. To watch Danielle's complete message and other More Love, More Power Conference speakers, visit our membership site, Vineyard Live Plus, at vineyardlive.us.